listen, this is the first episode of VR VR where we talk about everything VR related and the news that's happening um, around the VR space. You may be familiar with the fact that this was once a uh, handheld gaming podcast and I've kind of just decided to go away from that. I thought there's just so much more opportunity to cover things in the VR space and I've always been a big fan of VR and I've been messing around with it since all the way back with the uh, Samsung Gear VR days as well as early in the PC days. You know, like the early beginnings with the Oculus uh, CV1 and uh, the dev units and even the Windows Mixed Reality headsets and the first uh, PlayStation VR. Uh, lately, I've slowly been losing my quest too to my two kids. And so that got me thinking about how I could involve them more in VR uh, without having to spend a fortune. And I have a feeling some of you guys are probably in a similar situation where you either have kids that you want to purchase a headset for or maybe you've been listening to podcasts like this one and watching YouTube videos and you just haven't really jumped in yet and VR can be an expensive hobby and there's so many different uh, I guess fanboy groups over the different headsets the Pico the uh, Reverb G2s the uh, Oculus Quest obviously and let me tell you if you fall in to one of those two categories there's a perfect starter headset out there that it'll give you a limited but pretty well versed platform to start with and what if I told you that you could actually have that for $50 or less um, you may already be familiar with the oculus go headset and maybe you just forgotten about it because it so quickly left was left behind when the quest launched uh, the Go was released in May of 2018 and discontinued in 2020, so it, it didn't have a very long lifespan, but it gained a pretty good bit of popularity at the time because it was truly the first, I guess what you would call, it, the first standalone experience. Something where you didn't have to charge your phone and kill the battery on it, putting it into a headset. You could just strap on a headset that was completely independent and play some games. And... It was a little limited. Um, it was limited to three depth of field interaction, interaction, which, you know, meaning it mostly consists of standing still or sitting top experiences is the majority of it. With only one very basic controller, minus some games that required a Bluetooth controller like an Xbox controller, but those were more the uh, Gear VR games that carried over to that store. It replaced the Gear VR essentially and was much better quality, I think, in every way. Initially, it sold for 199 bucks for the 32 gig version and 249 for the 64 gig. Now that's pretty pricey for such a basic headset by today's standards, but it was even more pricey in 2018. I mean, prices have gone up a lot on things here recently. But now you can find them just absolutely dirt cheap and probably hardly even used because this is one of those things a lot of people just they bought them and they just stuck them in the box and left them in a corner somewhere and nobody really used them uh, i purchased two from the same seller on ebay and two different auction listings and i literally got one of the units for 36 dollars now it's only 1280 by 1440 pixels per eye and doesn't have the 
inside out camera tracking features or pass through or anything like that but it's still a very good starting point for young kids or even just you as an adult if you want to try VR for the first time but you don't want to invest 300 plus dollars for a new Quest 2. Uh, the two headsets I bought even came in the original boxes, had all the original accessories, uh, the batteries still seem to hold a good charge. I mean, you almost would have just thought that they were unsealed new head units. And I really just don't think that you're going to find a whole lot better just, you know, starter experience than that if, if that's something that you're looking for. So maybe give that a shot if you're just looking for a way to get in and, you know, kind of experiment around. Now, Meta slash Oculus, uh, as it was still known then, stopped accepting any new Go apps or updates for apps in the App Store for the Go in December of 2020. But there's thousands of experiences and games to pick from, and the store still functions just fine. Even to this day, you can still download the MetaQuest app and buy software. The setup experience was flawless for me. I know several months ago there were lots of issues with if you reset the headset back to factory uh, defaults and things like that. It was a nightmare to try to get the headset working again and that just ended up being a bug with the Oculus app. So everything works great now and it's a great little buy if you just want something to you know toy around with really. Um, maybe now I can reclaim my Quest 2 a little bit more than in recent weeks, but uh, that still remains to be seen. I went back this week and played around in VR some more, and I kind of revisited Robo Recall for the first time in years on the PC. I never played the Quest version just because I knew I would have been spoiled by the graphics of the PC version, and this game is just as fun as I remember it. I'd like to do a video series on some of these early VR games that I experienced that they're just never talked about anymore. Um, but they're actually still not only relevant, but can even offer some experiences that still haven't been topped and still make great showpieces for what VR can do if you're looking for something to, to show off to family and friends. Robo Recall is a great example of that because it was developed by Epic Games, who definitely they know how to make a great experience and it was pretty demanding back when it was released in 2017 for the majority of PC gaming hardware that was out but today it should be very accessible to a much larger audience I think and it's a shame that Meta doesn't do anything to really spotlight any of this older stuff I played using linked mode and virtual desktop and also AirLink, and it was my first experience with virtual desktop or, well, any of those really, after hearing the hype for so long. Everything I had played on PC before was on a Oculus Rift headset. So, you know, DisplayPort and all that stuff. And if you're not familiar, the headsets now, the Quest headset does not have the DisplayPort functionality. Everything's compressed and sent over uh, USB. But I still came away pretty impressed with it. I know it has a love it or hate it relationship for some, but for someone who's very experienced with troubleshooting to get stuff like this to work and who's always had a terrible experience trying to stream even just my PC games to my TV downstairs um, using like 
you know, Steam Remote Play and stuff like that, I have to say it just worked. I really couldn't notice a difference between it and the Link minus maybe the colors looked a little better on virtual desktop, but I was also using the option in the settings that increases the color and the contrast. And a lot of people say that you need a very specific uh, dedicated router just for this. I have my 4080 gaming PC um, hooked up with Ethernet across the house to just the basic uh, Wi-Fi 6 router that Spectrum supplies with my internet service and I honestly figured that would be a big issue because you can't really get into any of the advanced settings but it was already set to run on the 80 megahertz bandwidth mode like everyone suggests and everything and it really worked really great I didn't notice a whole lot of lag I'm, I mean there's some you lose some graphical fidelity but you know super sampling and stuff like that helps especially if you have a more powerful rig they did add an upscaling feature if you do have an older uh, video card in your PC that uses the XR2 processor and the Quest to basically act like AMD FSR on a PC game. It allows you to um, say you've got like a, a, a 2070 uh, video card. What you can do is you can run your games in the lower resolution that run well on that card and then the Snapdragon game super resolution will upscale that to a higher resolution on the headset side. Now, one of the things that, you know, I, I probably didn't need it at all. I'm perfectly capable with the fast encoder and everything on my 4080 of running an ultra mode. But I backed it down to high and then I tried the super resolution just to kind of see if I could tell any difference and I mean while the image was really clear it seems like once you do that you're putting a lot higher processing load on top of having to decode onto that XR2 chip in the Quest and so the battery seemed to drain kind of quick and I even have a Bobo VR M2 um, Pro I think it is with the detachable magnetic battery packs I even had that on and plugged in and it just the difference in how fast the battery drain versus just playing regular quest content was insane so I don't think I'll be using that feature anymore but I even tried AirLink too and that went surprisingly well I've heard a lot about how inferior it was to virtual desktop and honestly I, until I get some time to do my own side-by-side -side comparisons I think they're pretty much on a level playing field I guess a lot of people just they're in one camp or the other and I think a lot of it's probably some of the incompatibilities with certain hardware in their computers and things that kind of divides people but they're both a great solution and AirLink is free so I sold my original Quest 2 a while back so I've been more out of the loop on VR than what I would like to have been so I've jumped back into some games that I kind of missed the boat on and it may sound like blasphemy, but I actually just got around to try and walk about mini golf. I know y'all are probably like looking at me dumbfounded, but I mean that game hooked me right from the get-go. Honestly, it was the main reason that I subscribed to MetaQuest Plus because if you don't know, that game is, um, we won't say free, but included in your subscription price, you get walk about mini golf this month. 
and that was my main reason for subscribing to that and I'm sure they've made a killing on the game already and its DLC but this really opens it up for people like me who never took the time to play it in the first time at the first place and if everyone else that experiences this game the first time is having an experience like mine I'm sure that they'll be scooping up a lot of this DLC because I mean there's just a ton of it out there and this is what great is great for you know it's what it's what makes uh, Meta Plus really benefit both the developers and Meta because Meta obviously is getting your subscription money. You're going to play these games. You're probably going to like them a lot. and You're probably going to download DLC. They're taking a cut of that. But also these studios that develop the games, once the Steam starts to kind of die down a little bit, they can release the game for free and, and start picking up money again in DLC. So it kind of works the same way that Game Pass does, really. So, also this week, the Quest 3 made a stop by the FCC in the U.S. And if you're not familiar with what the FCC is, or you're made from another country, basically what they do is it's, uh, it, it's like the, uh, it's, it's the communica communications board, basically, in the United States that devices that operate wirelessly over radio signals and things of that nature. They have to pass through there, be inspected, make sure that there's no uh, troublesome interference that they may cause or anything like that. And now the Quest 3 has been there. So what does this mean? Well, usually when something passes through the FCC, like it's ready to go. It's it, it's final design. It's It's ready to go into or is already in production. So with MetaConnect coming up on September 27th, they've already you know, told us that that's gonna be highly centered around the Quest 3. So I think that that's probably when we're gonna start seeing the availability of that. I don't know if they're gonna do pre-orders. I don't know if it'll be available to purchase on that day. I don't know what the window, if it is a pre-order, will look like, but I'm really hoping that it's sooner than later. I mean, I'm not going to purchase one uh, right away, but it's something I do plan to purchase. And a lot of that's because I'm, you know, I want to get back more into my PC VR side of stuff too. And the resolution that PC games run at, it just doesn't look as good on the Quest 2. And the Quest 3, supposedly, we don't we don't know the exact resolution, but the, the leaked... Uh, information from Best Buy a while back stated 30% higher resolution. So that would be a big bump. I think that that would really add a lot of clarity and hopefully the field of view is a little better. And I don't know if other people experience this, but I do get some, um, they call it like a binocular overlap effect, like you're looking through binoculars. I do get some of that on the Quest 2 and I would like to see something done to minimize that whenever it comes out. It is supposed to have really fast Wi-Fi 6E and all that good stuff, so that'll help streaming a whole lot. Um, also in the news, they're talking about hardware bands for the Quest. So this is something that's going to, I think it's going to be good for developers, but it's going to also cause a lot of trouble 
in the used market because basically what Meta is doing is they're giving developers an API that they can use to detect if pirated or modified games are being run on a Quest headset. And if they are, either they can do user bans on a particular user or Meta can go as far as all the way down to banning the serial number or the MAC address of your Quest unit. So that means you would not be able to at least use that in multiplayer games anymore. I don't know if the extent of that ban would mean you can't even access the store anymore. Um, we're not really sure. They haven't given a lot of details on that, but that's something what you really need to be wary of, especially if you're one of those people who's been um, sideloading pirated apps, which I don't agree with in the first place because these games are not typically that expensive. And these are small studios. They don't typically make a whole lot of money in the first place by the time Meta takes their portion. And we need to be supporting these developers. But I don't really want to just harp on you. You'll make your own choices as an adult and you'll decide what's right and, you know, what's not right. But I think that, you know, I don't really have a problem with it, but it could also be a big issue if if this stuff starts to show up on um, the used market banned and people aren't being truthful about it, then we could end up with a bunch of headsets on eBay that you know you buy and are stuck with because they won't be usable. Now, obviously, you can you know eBay's got a pretty good return policy, so I don't think it's going to be. Uh, that big of an ordeal but you know it's just something to keep in mind I, I'm not a I'm not opposed to it but you know it is what it is so obviously another news I never played uh, echo VR but echo VR of course is now gone um, offline so if that was something that you enjoyed playing you're looking at getting back into VR you've probably already heard a million times but it's uh, it's not working anymore so yeah just kind of looking so a new game is coming out called Islanders the VR edition and it's coming to the quest it's Steam, there's a Steam VR edition also, but if you played Little Cities, which I actually just started playing, this game's similar to that, and it released in 2019, I guess, on Steam and consoles, and was by Grizzly Games, and it was a flat game, but now they have released, they're releasing it in VR with uh, hand tracking controls and all that good stuff, and it looks like it could be pretty fun, but at the same time, I don't know, maybe just a little shallow. I honestly thought that Little Cities was a little bit more shallow than what I would have liked because I've been playing city building games since the original SimCity on the PC back in the early 90s. And so it's described as being a minimalist strategy game about building cities on beautiful islands. And the news article says that there's no cost to building 
resources on Islanders. You just have an inventory with limited buildings to place, and you receive points based on their placement. And when you build up enough score, you'll progress to the next procedurally generated island. So, it could be some lighthearted fun, but I'd like to see a... I'll tell you what I'd like to see. What I'd like to see is City Skylines 2 in VR on Steam VR. I know it's not possible on the Quest. It's just way what's way too demanding for the hardware. I think that would be phenomenal. Being able to, especially if you could use hand tracking, which I doubt they would do, but at least with controller support, being able to get up close and personal with these metropolises that you build, I think that would be great. But that's all for today. I want to keep it kind of short. Just kind of wanted to introduce you to the new podcast. If you listened to the previous podcast and you were enjoying that, I'm, you know, don't be mad at me. Uh, I'm sorry, but it's just one of those things where the handheld market, there's just, there's a bunch of hardware, but all the hardware is essentially the same. It's all running the same games and it's just, I don't know. It's not as fun to cover as what VR is. Uh, I want to get a YouTube channel up and going and do some game reviews and do some accessory reviews. And there's a whole lot of opportunity out there in the VR space that I hope to explore. If you do have one of those handhelds, well, you can run VR on those too. You just need to get you a Quest 2 headset. But that's it, guys. I hope you all have a great uh, rest of your week and a great weekend. And I'll see you back again soon. Thanks for listening.